In this episode of the podcast, Gareth Jones goes to the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, California. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, arguably Gareth Jones on holiday. I've got a day off during this Alarm Sigma tour that I'm doing in the United States. Conveniently, in Los Angeles, California, where my great friend Summer lives. And Summer said, hey, you know what you gotta do? You gotta go to the Peterson Museum, which is a motor museum on Wiltshire Boulevard in LA. And we're not even... Well, we've paid, but we haven't even gone through into the museum proper yet. But the exhibition on the outside is gorgeous. And why am I not surprised you're drawn to the Mustang, Summer? <laughs> That's my favourite car. I'm a pony girl. You used to have a... Was it a 70 or 71? 69. 69? Yes. With a registration plate? Fab gear. Yep. How cool is that? A Beatles number plate on a red Mustang. No wonder Summer and I are mates. <laughs> but this is one of the uncool Mustangs. This was the Mustang 2, which is about the only unhip period for the Ford Mustang. It was based on, the, I think, the same platform as the Pinto. But then it became ultra cool by appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Amazing. Same thing happened for the AMC Pacer. That was dreadfully uncool. Correct. Until... Um, uh, it appeared in, uh, oh God, I forgot what they're called, um, um, the guys who lived in the basement. The guy from Liverpool uh, who um, was on, um, I can't even remember his name, he's hopeless. Oh, I'm thinking he's the young ones. Uh, not the young ones, no, the American movie. Um, uh, oh. You got me. Not Bill and Ted's Big Adventure. The two guys who had the cable station in a basement. Oh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, yes. What was yes. the film? Swing. Yeah. Uh. Um, Wayne's World. They made the AMC Pacer cool in that sequence where they were... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's look at the other cars. We're not even indoors yet. There's an exhibition of modified Audis outside as well and a model of Iron Man because Audi are official providers I think partners in the Marvel Universe Tony Stark drives an Audi and they've got a level zero 2018 Audi P18 e-tron concept a sort of a shooting brake version of the R18 that's my kind of science fiction car but let's go in summer because this museum has an extraordinary collection but did you know they've got a special on today? It's the biggest exhibition of vehicles from science fiction movies. That's what we're seeing right now all around, even outside of the museum. Oh, yeah, they had that thing from Prometheus outside as well, That's didn't right. they? And the Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. Ford Explorer. And there was a, a Dodge police car from one of the Batman movies as well. And this tickles me. I was just telling Summer, there's a car parked right by where you pay to go through. It's a Lexus LC 500, like the one I was driving, although this is the V8, I had the hybrid. And it's been torn to ribbons. You know why? Because it was in the film Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. This is the one from the movie, and there's a chase sequence in it, and it's got claw marks through the bodywork. Looks painful, doesn't it? Painful. Okay, three more cars on display at the end. One is, what's this? Oh, the 2054 Lexus Roadster, driven in the movie Minority Report. 
That is something cute, isn't it? I like a Lexus. Oh, it's beautiful. That's, yeah. that's the nicest Lexus I've ever seen. <laughs> it really is quite special, quite sci-fi. There's a tuk-tuk taxi from the Blade Runner 2049 wow. movie here as well. That's the future of tuk-tuks. Look at the way it looks so distressed. You know, it looks like it's real, doesn't it? It doesn't look like a prop. Looks like a bin truck. It does look like a bin truck. Yes. <laughs> and then the last vehicle, what's this? An ice cream van. A 2009 Autobot skids and mud flap. Oh, in Transformers. Oh. In Revenge of the Fallen from 2009. Deployed as patrol Autobots defending Earth from hidden Decepticons, squabbling twins, skids and mud flap take on the joint form of an old ice cream truck in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah. Cute. All right, should we go in? Let's do. I could spend all day talking about science fiction cars. I bet you could. Two of your favorite things all roll it into one. <laughs> oh, look, a natural transition. You go through first, Summer. A natural transition. The first thing you see on a plinth. Now, what would you call that, Sum? I would call that the car from... Oh, I can see a Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Back to the Future. Correct. Back to the Future? Yeah, good, yeah. It is, now, most people look at that and say, oh, it's the DeLorean from Back to the Future. But it's actually a DeLorean DMC-12, if you're being really nitpicky. This model of car, DMC, DeLorean Motor Corporation, set up by John DeLorean. Yes. Uh, it was called the DMC-12. But I wonder... Is this a replica prop, or could this actually be one from the movies, being as we're in Los Angeles? Driven in Back to the Future. Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3. Wow. Designed by Ron Cobb and Andrew Probert at Universal Studios. They've got it down as a 1981 DeLorean, but there's more to it. It says based on. Based on. Ah, Keyword there. Yeah, yeah, that's a legal requirement, isn't it? Yeah, Zog was talking about the uh, 2.1 gigawatt power that this thing produces. It's incredible. I'm not sure he quoted it exactly right, but we know what he was talking about. Ooh, ooh. Okay, if I describe a bike to you, which is rimless, the wheels don't have any spokes or hub whatsoever, and they are lit, what's the first science fiction movie that comes to mind? Tron. This is the Tron light cycle from the Tron Legacy movie in 2010, with a rider on it. You can't see where the rider and the bike separate, can you? I didn't see that until you pointed it out. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's design. Yeah, I was a little too old for Tron when the original one came out. I thought it was a bit kitsch. You know, I was already watching 2001 and Metropolis and things to come. And Tron, yeah, it was okay. But I, I think over the years I've grown to appreciate what a stylistic icon it is, a moment in time. Right, let's... Oh, ooh, is this a Maserati? What's this? There's an orange late 60s, early 70s mm, rear... Oh, is it a Nova? It's a 1969 M505 Adams Brothers Probe 16 from Clockwork Orange. Mm. <gasps> wow, I wasn't expecting to see that. This is in the epic back projection sequence where Malcolm McDowell and his gang, yeah, you're going to have my picture taken with this summer. Oh, boy. Yeah, she's doing the photo. Where... The gang who go around beating people up are sitting on the back of the thing, driving through the English countryside. There it is. There's the picture. There it is. Yeah. 
the Adams probes it. Let's find out about it. Stanley Kubrick's portrayal of near-future Britain, described in Anthony Burgess's 62 novel A Clockwork Orange, required the construction of a nightmarish reality that was both familiar yet strangely distant. Seen through the eyes of the sociopath anti-hero Alex, Malcolm McDowell, and his band of droogs, the story follows their various acts of ultraviolence. Whilst committing their crimes, the gang employ the Durango 95, known in the real world as the Probe 16, a dramatic car that fits seamlessly into this exaggerated world. The Adams Probe 16 was created by Dennis and Peter Adams in 69 as an investigation into extremes of styling. The same year, the Adams Brothers exhibited the Probe 16 at the London Motor Show, where it won a design award for the best British styling exercise as an example of extreme and definitely British styling. The rare Probe 16 reflects the uncanny world of an ultra-violent Britain established in the film's dystopian vision of the future. That car now forever tainted with violence. Imagine being a car that has that connection with Clockwork Orange, you know, not the beautiful, clean, futuristic world of current sci-fi. Oh, okay, here's one for Star Wars fans. We've got to do this, haven't we? I'm no Star Wars expert, but even I think I could recognise this. This is the Sorosub X34 Land Speeder, which appeared in A New Hope in 1977. Star Wars 4, is that what it is in the end? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the car which seems to float across the desert... It says, despite its brief appearance in the first Star Wars film, the X-34 is a vital plot device. In addition to its supporting the narrative introducing the film's main characters, it's used to create a compelling depiction of travelling through the desert. Originally developed from a Bond bug. Now, I didn't know that. A British three-wheeler car from the 1970s. A number of tricks are employed to achieve the hovering illusion, including a large side-mounted jib and angled mirrors affixed to the undercarriage to hide the wheels. That's how they did it. It's all done with mirrors. I didn't realise it's a Bond bug underneath, but looking at it here, Mm -hmm. you can see, yeah, the two rear wheels and the single nose wheel. Gosh, you wouldn't want to roll that, would you? Right, well, oh, this is a Mad Max car, I think, summer, isn't it, this? Definitely looks that way. Have you seen the new one? The Nux car, driven by Mad Max in Fury Road, 2015, based on a 1934 Chevrolet five-window coupe. Lots of extra exhaust, lots of pointless lighting up things sticking out of it. Looks gorgeous, doesn't it? Looks kind of tiki. Yeah, 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 it's got a bit of that to it. Yeah, definitely. There are some paintings on the wall behind the original concept cars, I would imagine, that this car was built to. Ooh, and models. Ooh, I like a model. There's a, what, what with this? A one-six scale, is it, perhaps? Model of the Damnation Alley lobby car, the Landmaster from the movie Damnation Alley. You'll have to look that up. It was a radio-controlled, it says remote-controlled, but they mean radio-controlled car that was used as a filming miniature, one-twelfth scale. I like a model. Mm. They're just super toys, aren't they, models? I just miss making them. You used to make models? Oh, with my nephews, yes. Not the snap kind, the actual glue ones. Yeah, yeah, the real thing. Yeah, the Polystyrene glue. Beautiful. I can smell the polystyrene glue thinking <laughs> about it right now. Yeah, they've got a TV screen showing a scene from Mad Max. They've got... Is this a Charger? Oh, okay. A main force patrol interceptor. 1973 Ford, Ford Falcon. Falcon. I should have known that. That is dirty, isn't it? Have you ever seen a dirtier car than that? And mind you, you live in LA. I do, yes. I live in LA, and so the rust comes quite often because we're so close to the Pacific Ocean. 
but cars over here shine. I don't know if you realise that. You spend enough time in Britain. The sunshine here, no wonder you've got the movie industry here, because of that glorious sunshine till early into the evening. It makes cars look more beautiful on the road here than they do in Britain. I have to agree with you there. Yeah, Yeah, that, that sun bouncing off of a good paint job, there's nothing like it. Now then, I think... This car we're standing in front of now has a British connection, if memory serves. It's a 2002 Cadillac Sienne concept, which was in the movie The Island as a Cadillac. Designed by Simon Cox, yes. I've interviewed Simon Cox. He used to be a designer at Lotus. He may... Uh, oh, no, that's, that's Simon Carr. No, Simon Cox is a British designer, but not the chap I was thinking of. What does it say? In the movie, the Lincoln Evade capture in Tom's 2009 Caddy, already a decade old within the narrative, so it's set in 2019, yeah? A dramatic concept vehicle built to celebrate the brand's 100th anniversary, Cadillac's 100th anniversary, futuristic in appearance, and excluding luxury, the Sienne fit neatly into the near-future world of wealth and of Tom's character. To ensure the safety of this one-off concept, a fully functioning replica of the Sienne was built by F-Experts for filming. So not always real cars, replicas, of course. That's the movies, that's what they try to do. They make things look like reality that aren't. What are you reading, Sam? I'm reading this one about the same car, correct? Just in a different way? Oh, they're talking about the speedster above it, this sort of flying motorcycle. It's like a jet ski that flies, isn't it? A cross between a jet ski and a phantom for one person to straddle. That's in the same movie. Oh, no, it's in Black Wasp. Okay, hang on. The vehicle is called the Black Wasp. And it was written in the island. In the island, the same movie. Same film. Yeah. I haven't seen the island, have you? I haven't either. Nice, though. It really does look like a cross between a jet ski, a vacuum cleaner, and a phantom jet for one person. There's a couple more. Oh, this is another Lexus now. Ah, I'm trying to remember what movie this Lexus concept car was in. I've got Schwarzenegger in my mind. I could be wrong. Let's find out coming around the side. It's in Minority Report. It's a 2054 Lexus Coupe. We saw one a moment ago, didn't we, previously? Mm-hmm. In Minority Report. Yeah, really sci-fi. Yeah, they had one outside, the convertible version, That's didn't they? Right. This is the Coupe. This looks like an insect. Yeah. A car that looks like an insect. What's this? It's a Lexus. Hey, Lexus have got a positive program getting their cars in movies, haven't they? They certainly must do a lot of marketing for that. Yeah. Wow, I've just entered into... Oh, my trousers. I've just seen something glorious at the end. We'll come to that. But this is, again, the 2054 Lexus Maglev pod in Minority Report. So there you go. A magnetic levitation vehicle. Two seats facing each other. Looks like an insect or a torpedo. Fairding tall, narrow wheels that probably don't work because it's maglev. It just floats. You'll know that car. (gasps) Isn't that a Blade Runner police vehicle? Yes. I believe it is. 2019 LAPD police spinner uh, in the original Blade Runner 1982 movie. Oh, I want to touch this. Oh, I don't think you can. No. Is that what it's based on? A Volkswagen Super Beetle, 1972. <laughs> really? Wow. Gene Winfield built this. After translating Mead's designs into technical drawings, Gene Winfield and his crew completely assembled four spinners for filming in under a month. They did it in under a month. 
Using Volkswagen Beetle platforms with air-cooled rear-mounted engines, Winfield was able to construct Mead's distinctive forward-thrusting wheel assembly. The spinner has since become an icon of sci-fi vehicles, has been referenced in several films, including Star Wars Episode 1, 2, The Fifth Element, and Back to the Future 2. So a design that was so pivotal it influenced other designs as well. Gorgeous, isn't it? It looks like it can swim. It does, yeah. Amphibious, yeah, yeah, yeah. They float and they sparkle. They've got some of the concept art on the wall. You see them flying. Is it a car if it flies? I think cars go on the road. If it flies, it's an aircraft, in my opinion. What if it can do both? (sighs) Then that's science fiction. I'll give you that, yeah. (laughs) Okay, there's a Deckard Sedan 2019 spinner again from Blade Runner, the, the original movie orange car that features in that classic sci-fi font for the number 56 on the side of the car that's so 1970s isn't it there love it another Audi behind us now what was this in it seems that Audi are more than happy to take their concept cars and dress them up and put them in sci-fi films oh of course I robot it was in that You'll know this. It's billed as a 2035 Audi RS Q Sport Coupe concept. It's a version of the R15, I think. Based on that, you'll recognise it. Fed in wheels, honeycomb pattern over the wheel hubs. Proper car of the future. And from something sort of soft and beautiful. But unlike many of the others, you can still see this is an Audi. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Hide that it's an Audi. True, yeah. There are lots of design cues. It's less far away, isn't it? It's nearer to the original. All right, well, from the Terminator movie, there is a model T800 Terminator here. Terrifying. Standing next to 2017 Skynet Moto Terminator motorcycle. Fantastic. Look at that. That is terrifying. Again, it's almost like you've got an iron backbone. You can't tell whether it's organic or mechanical in the way that the Terminator itself has a sort of a spinal cord, a metal spinal cord. This motorcycle as part of the frame has a metal spinal cord, drawing the two design concepts together. Dirty, isn't it? It definitely looks like a vicious machine. Yeah, more tank or travelling machine gun than motorcycle. It's in Terminator Salvation 2009, it says here. Well, amazing. Another concept car, this one, a trike, one wheel at the back, two at the front, big glass house. No obvious badging on it, so maybe it isn't from a big brand manufacturer is an original prop. This is called a cricket in the movie AI. Oh, that's a sad film. Have you seen AI, no, Summer? Oh, not. So sad. I won't see it then. No, don't see it. I'm sad thinking about it now. Yeah, and this is the cricket, a car that's... See, where does it appear in the film? The film was an adaptation of a story originally developed by Stanley Kubrick, but passed on to Steven Spielberg when Kubrick died. Oh, I imagine the Kubrick version of this. The pure Kubrick version would have been good. Mind you, I think Spielberg did a good, if not slightly emotional, version. Okay. Summer, you know you said a minute ago, what if you've got a car that can fly? Well, what if you've got a helicopter that's amphibious? This is the police amphibicopter, also in AI. It carries the character David, 
on the final leg of his journey to try and become a real boy. Due to catastrophic climate change, David's destination of Manhattan, New York, is submerged underwater, and he must plunge the helicopter into the depths of the ocean to discover the object of his quest. Yeah, if you were going to build an amphibious helicopter, this is what it'd have to look like. Bit glassy, that would have to be incredibly strong plexiglass to survive impact with hard water at flying speeds. But yeah, could you make an amphibious helicopter given the right technologies? Yeah. I think just about anything can be developed these days. Yeah, <laughs> we have new technologies making the future possible. Now, what's this? Is this a Cadillac concept? It's in pearl white. Very futuristic, almost 90s vision of the future car. What is it? A General Motors Ultralight. I was close. Not quite a caddy. Replicated in Demolition Man in 93 as a 2042 Chevrolet Police Cruiser. So it isn't 92 General Motors Ultralight. That's what it says. From Demolition Man. Cool. It looks a bit like... Uh, road cars of that period you know the original Mondeo was a bit of a gumdrop wasn't it and what was that little Plymouth the neon the Dodge neon Dodge neon a little bit of that about it yeah it looks like a cloud it does look like a cloud it does it does (laughs) like a cartoon of a cloud so you could draw it with three simple overlapping semicircles couldn't you that's hilarious oh my trousers Oh, I've just seen some very special things at the end. Should we save them and go down the side here? Because there's some stuff we've missed here. There's a yellow car. This all looks like Blade Runner stuff to me. What's this yellow car? We missed this. Definitely Blade Runner. Lots of glass fibre. Yeah, Blade Runner from 82. This is the Everyman car from 2019. Is the year it's set in, of course. Oh! And if you've seen the sequel to Blade Runner, the new one, I noticed Peugeot feature largely in it. And the central character drives around, who's played by, forgive me for not knowing this, um, what's his name? Ryan Gosling, thank you, somewhere written down there. He drives around in what is a 2045 Peugeot LAPD police spinner, Peugeot. Shine cars in America in 2045. Good luck to them. And it's that spinner with the extended front end with two things that spin in front of where the bonnet would be uh, that give it that sort of distinctive Blade Runner stylistic connection. But it's a Peugeot. Can you buy a Peugeot in America these days? Do you know a Peugeot dealership? You can buy anything in America. (laughs) And another spinner, what's this? Oh, there's some concept art on the wall. Lovely. This is the Loves Spinner. Again, from Blade Runner 2049, the sequel. Brown. Brown is the colour of the future. Did you know that, Summer? Well, brown is beautiful. <laughs> Jared Leto. Fit his car in the film. Jared Leto. He's the actor, right? Yes. I don't know the name, I'm afraid. I'm rubbish at this sort of thing. Ask me about cars. don't know any actors' names. And there's a terrifying neo-military monster truck jeep gun toting thing here as well what's this from let's go around the other side unsc okay 40 points if you can get this before i do unsc is this a ride 
Do you climb in? And, oh, no, it isn't. I wasn't sure if this was a ride where you get in and experience it. Uh, this is from the year 2557. It's an AMG Transport Dynamics M12B Warthog, as in Halo 4. It's from a game and then the movie of the game. This is the Warthog. You'll know what that looks like. It's huge, isn't it? It is. But there are three very, very special oh, vehicles. Now at the I'm end. recognizing things. Yeah. Do you know what that one is over there, Summer? Ooh. I don't recognize that one. I see I... the surfboards. Is that? It's. It is... must be a villain car. Is it? The Joker's car or from the, the 60s or Batman, the, the Riddler. Let's go find out. It's a sort of a hot rod, I think you'd call it, based on a late 50s, early 60s Ford V8. With it's the Joker Mobile. The 1966 Mongrel T, the Joker Mobile from the TV series Batman. Yes. Now, the chap, George Barris. George Barris is the man who's designed arguably the most identifiable movie TV series car there ever was you'll know if he's designed the Joker Mobile this absurd hot rod with green fur on it and 60s vinyl metallic seats in different colours every seat is in a different colour blue, gold, red and green and then behind it is, and I bow down to this, George Barris's Batmobile from the TV series and we're in LA, so I have to ask the question, is this that actual car or a replica? The 1966 Batmobile replica, it says. Fair enough. From the TV series Batman 66 to 68 and Batman the movie 1966, of which I watched when I was little, it was based, as I'm sure you know, on the Lincoln Futura, a Ford concept from 1955, I think. And George Barris painted it black, put the Bat logo on the side, gave it those three, are they missile launching hoses that stick up out of the back, lights on top like you get on a, an American police wagon. That radar or radio that would extend the twin bubble cockpit we all had these didn't we what a car someone's taking a picture of me with this car it's a real highlight this one it's absolutely magnificent don't know if we can get the whole shot in possibly the most important famous tv sci-fi car ever and next to it is a car designed by, I think this was designed by Derek Meddings. Oh, the designer's credited as Fireball Tim Lawrence and Julian Cadlow. Okay, it's not the one I was thinking of. It's another Batmobile from Batman Returns and Batman 1989. Oh, hang on. I thought it was Derek Meddings who designed this car. It wasn't. It was probably built and engineered by Derek Meddings, but designed by Fireball Tim Lawrence and Julian Caldo. The builder, John Evans and Pinewood Studios. I'm pretty sure Derek Meddings had a lot to do with this. Derek Meddings did a lot of the Thunderbird stuff. Well, I can tell you something about Fireball Tim Lawrence. Fireball Tim Lawrence did the vinyl graphics for my 2005 Mini Cooper. 
that were the notes to beep, beep, and beep, beep, yeah, drive my car, my Fab Gear Mini, and I was his first music-themed Mini. No. Were you offered this at the dealership, or you went to a place who can customize your car? I went to his customization shop, which was in Culver City at the time. He had a barbecue for our Mini Cooper group, uh, Southern California Mini Maniacs, and I saw some beautiful design work that he had done. And I said, you know, I really like it. was a checkerboard made out of the same kind of uh, materials as they do for the window tinting. So it was about a 70% grade. And he said, you can like that, but you have to get a customization that represents you. And I went home and told my daughter, and she said, well, that's easy music notes of the Beatles. <laughs> and he was doing a television show where he was in a contest with another, I think it was a Honda and a Ford, and they had to completely disassemble the cars and make police cars out of the cars. And he had, of course, the Mini. But he also needed to show people what he does inside his studio. So he called me up and said, how about if we do that? We'll use your car for the show, and I'll just charge you the cost of the vinyl, not the cost of installation which was the only way on a teacher's salary I was able to have an original Fireball Mini. And your car appeared on TV in an episode. It did. Fantastic. The car that we drove here in today, it's a, a Cooper convertible, isn't it? It is a Cooper S, yeah. but Cooper it was, that was, this one I have now is the 2015. Right, not the one That you was the 2005 yeah. beloved Lily. Lily, little Lily. Yeah. Oh. oh, hey, Summer loves the cars. So it's a pleasure to spend time in this museum. I think this is the re-engineered second version. I think there was an earlier version of this car that was Derek Meddings. I'm sure you guys can look it up for me. Now, hey, this is an old friend, this car. Well, it's not even a car, it's a motorcycle. It's the Bat Cycle from, is it Batman Returns? Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. I've encountered this before at the British Grand Prix. There was some connection with Toyota, and so this was parked outside the Toyota Formula One team's vehicles in the paddock, and I've sat on it. Maybe another replica of this? Who knows? It doesn't say replica here, does it? It no, says the real thing. The Bat Cycle, or the Bat Pod, actually, from The Dark Knight 2008 and The Dark Knight Rises 2012. And still there is more. I thought we'd come to the end of it, but this is a great exhibition. Having adopted the fundamental principles of reductionism, designers Rem, D. Koolhaas and Joey Reiter applied a minimalist approach to the look of conventional objects in independently conceived yet complementary ways. Oh, hang on, this got very complicated. It's all under the headline, Disruptors. So this is an art exhibition. An opportunity to create and then cater to a growing demand among enlightened, progressive consumers. Californians, you're enlightened and progressive, aren't you? For the sophistication of simplicity, Coolhouse and Writer have eschewed a traditional design approach and in doing so left themselves free to mould familiar objects in unexpected ways. Oh. A happy, it's going on a bit this now, isn't it? Yeah, it's going on. Okay, I'm in a room with what? It's a nude. A nude, a united nude. I'd better explain what that could be. I'm in a room with four vehicles, a darkened room on display. The first one is a pyramidal car, I would say. It's all straight edges. A car reduced to its most simple 
definitions, I suppose. It's a wedge, like a slice of cheese. It looks rather like a Bond bug, if you know the Bond bug, but it's black. And also has a little bit of the, uh, what's it called, the Ferrari Modula. There was a very progressive Ferrari car in the 70s that did something similar. Yeah, basically, one, two, three, four pieces of triangular plexiglass for the upper surface and one, two, three for the lower body, four for the lower body. Fascinating. Reductionism. And a similar but slightly more complex thing, a low-res car sculpture, it says. So again, it's almost like looking at a wire model of a car with straight edges, made entirely with straight edges, no compound curves. When you first start drawing and you have to use your straight edge and connect all the lines, that would be the car you'd draw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You'd practice perspective drawing this car, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, a buggy, a dirty, dirty buggy. It's black, shiny black, diamond black. Does diamond black exist as a thing? today (laughs) very purposeful imagine if the aerial atom was a truck or a jeep that same sort of exposed geodesic body frame that is the chassis that you hang everything off two seats vertical plexiglass transparent sides vertical windshield i'll say that rather than windscreen because we're in america it's a minimalist super jeep it's called a reboot buggy Designed to explore a scenario in which a vehicle's most basic purpose ultimately determines its design. Joey Reiter, Reiter would you say that? Yeah. Intentionally excluded from the reboot buggy any non-essential amenities that modern manufacturers use to attract customers to their products. Exactly the same as the Aerial Atom. Strip it back, add lightness, as they say. They're talking to us. Oh, that's Mr. Writer describing his work. There's a motorcycle here. Oh, no, there's, there's, there's three other things here. What's this, Sam? Well, it looks like an extremely large tissue box, but I believe <laughs> it is also a it, it looks like a matte black tissue box. It is just a low rectangle. It also looks like some type of music equipment. Yeah, it's got sort of handles in the side like you see in the side of base bins when you lift them for transport. And it's a very minimalist exploration in what defines a car. And I guess it's drivable. It's a consumer car, is that right, this one? The consumer car represents a radical rethinking of the economy car's relationship to the fundamentals of motoring. Focusing on the drive as a transformative experience that combines both performance and attitude, the car's meant to reconnect the concept of an economy car with a lost sense of inspiration and wonder. Well, we were um, inspired and we wondered what it was. Wondered what it was. That's beautiful. It really is. So look up the work of Joey Writer. I think it's Joey. Yeah, Joey Writer. And who is the other guy? There was another name involved, wasn't there? I can't pronounce it. Rem de Coolhaas, I think, over there. But there's a motorcycle here that looks... Well, it just looks like a slice of chrome, doesn't it? Like a... It almost looks like a standard a toaster. Yeah, yeah. And very narrow right toaster. There. Yeah. 
goes down. Straight edges, not quite 90 degrees. What a fascinating piece. It's called the Moto Undone, M-O-T-O-U-N-D-O-N-E, from 2011. I think that'll be rideable, but how practical, I don't know. I think you would burn your legs. It would get hot. The chrome would reflect the sun of Southern California. Less of a problem in Britain. Less of a problem. But it would get dirty and muddy then. It's absolutely highly polished chrome, like the side of a classic toaster, you know, or a nice coffee machine. And the last... That's it. I've spotted one more thing as well. Well, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. This is another one of Joy Wright's designs called the Snowped V2 where it is a single rear track snowmobile, one ski at the front, a vertical black body covering the engine and steering underneath. Minimalist. Very nice. It's the most attractive of all of these types of motor cycles. Yeah, yeah. Right? Fascinating. Hey, I like his work. I like it. I do. I think exploring what cars can be, not just in science fiction, but in the world that we live in, or the real world that we're about to grow into, is a very worthy thing to do, and if people like this artist are considering what the car will be in the future, then we'll have interesting looking sci-fi cars. I like living in the future. It's nice here. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed in one small part of the Peterson Automotive Museum. It's goodbye from summer. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! 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 <laughs>